Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright. This is the video teaching series, How to Study the Bible. And we're speaking about the different principles of study and of scripture and of truth that have to be def- applied to our study if we want to be able to have truth that's true, that which we can, can uh rest upon for the salvation of our eternal souls. This is video number 14 and lesson number 13, counting 13, counting the, or not counting the introduction to this series. And this is principle number two. This is Bible study uh, principle number two. And this principle is all scriptures came from being God-breathed in or God breathe into, uh, in other words, dictated, and all are equal in the sight of God for defining and declaring doctrine. Uh, according to this principle, every scripture has its place in what would appear to the natural mind as a jigsaw puzzle of the Word of God. I went into that quite a bit just a couple of lessons ago. It is impossible to know the true and complete picture of what the Lord is saying to us about any subject unless all puzzle pieces or scriptures uh, on that subject are assembled in their proper place in the picture. All scriptures are from God himself. That's the thing we've got to accept here. All scriptures are from God. The last principle was in the previous video, truth cannot contradict itself. But I've got to believe that the scriptures are true, and I believe they're true because they all came from God. It's impossible for God to lie, and all scriptures are from God himself and must harmonize on the subject that they're addressing because God is truth and his word is truth. And if they all the, all these verses came from God, then they've all got to harmonize. God cannot be in conflict with himself or his own words. We must not ignore or reject verses just because they disagree with what we think or believe. I mean, for years, I didn't... Uh, I didn't teach a whole lot on grace because I thought teaching on grace would make me sound like the those that just were grace, 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 grace. And I was losing and missing out on such tremendous blessings from the Lord by not understanding what biblical grace was and, and seeking and desiring for it to work in my life. And so I can't leave out stuff. Uh, another one is Jesus calling God Father. Uh, for years, I was uncomfortable with those verses where Jesus called God Father because I was afraid that made me sound like I was Trinitarian. But that's the way Jesus addressed his Father. The man Christ Jesus addressed God as Father. That's biblical. So I've got to get past whatever my uncomfortable uh, feelings are over any particular verses and what they say and accept that all scriptures are from God. All of them were God breathed out. All of them are necessary for doctrine. Cause if I'm not, if I'm re- leave purposely, consciously leaving out any verses, cause I, I'm afraid of what they say or they're going to contradict what I, what I think, then I'm choosing to be deceived. Remember, God is the author of the word and Christ is the word made flesh. I cannot reject any part of the word without rejecting Christ. It's like saying, well, you know, uh, I love Christ, but I don't want his right hand. I love Christ, but let's get rid of his ear. I love Christ, but we're going to put out one of his eyes. 
I love Christ, but let's take off one of his legs. I don't want to lose even my little fingers. Could I live without my little fingers? Yeah, but I don't want to try. I could live without my small toes on each foot, but I don't want to try. I don't want to try. These are all parts of the body. And all of the scriptures are all part of the body of the word, the word of God. It's not the words of God. It's the word of God. Every scripture is a part of the collective called the word of God. And I can't eliminate or ignore any part of the word of God without opening the door to deception in my life. That doesn't mean I understand all of it, but I can't reject any of it. I don't have the right to do that and consider that I'm still going to be saved if I do that. Again, we cannot reject or ignore any parts of the word of God without rejecting God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Uh, the word in the Greek inspiration, according to Strong's, means literally divinely breathed out. It comes from two root words. The first Greek word is the, uh, as its roots, the first Greek root word is theos, uh, which is uh, a deity, a spe- specifically the supreme de- divinity, uh, according to Strong's. And then the second one is uh, the word that means to breathe hard or breeze, to blow. So inspiration, the complete word study dictionary says uh, this word means to breathe or blow prompted by God, divine inspiration. It's divine inspiration. Uh, the Greek word that says profitable is helpful or serviceable or advantageous. That comes from the Greek word that means to heap up, to accumulate, uh, or benefit, to gain. So every scripture is God-breathed out and is profitable, as I've taught in one of the previous lessons. I don't remember which one. Uh, government, the military, business, everything works based on those in authority being able to dictate uh, letters, instructions, orders, whatever it is, and have the person they're dictating that letter to write it down properly and them just sign it. It's those people don't write their own letters. They dictate their letters. Somebody takes their dictation, writes it down. That's why I've explained in the past. If you look for a business letter or a government letter or whatever, and the bottom you'll find two sets of, of initials. The, the all-caps one is the person who dictated the letter. That's the one who signs the letter, the one it's from. And then there's a slash, and then there's three small uh, letters. That's the initials of the person who took the dictation and typed it up. And we trust that system 
for everything going on in this world. <laughs> That's the way it's been for decades and decades and decades. And we have to trust the word of God the same. That God was able to dictate what he was saying and, and have reliable people write down what he said the way he said it, not adding to or taking away from it. And that we can count on that being the word of God, even though he didn't write any of that. And of course, if you know your Bible, you know there's, to my knowledge, primarily only two places where, well, three places technically that God wrote himself. The first time he gave the law to Moses, he wrote in those tablets with his finger in the stone. And then he wrote on the wall when he was judging uh, Nebuchadnezzar's son. And then, of course, the woman, they brought the woman to Jesus taken in adultery. And uh, they wanted to know what he was going to do with him. And he knelt down to the ground and he wrote something in the sand. And we don't know what it was, but presumably others could read it. And then he said, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Every other word, and we don't know the words that Jesus wrote. We don't know the words Jesus wrote. We know what the, was written in the Ten Commandments. And we also know what was written on that wall. Uh, the interpretation of those words were that you've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. So, but every other word, <laughs> every other word that we call the word of God was written by a man. God breathed it out. Now, I've got to believe that. I can't believe the Bible is just a good book. That's not enough. I can't. This is absolute. If I, I, Maybe this I should have been principle number one and principle number one, principle number two, because they're, they're this closely related. If I don't believe the Bible is the word of God, then I'm surely not going to believe that truth cannot contradict itself. Both of those are absolutely critical to the study of the word of God. It's not just a good book. It's not a history book. It's not a book full of stories. It is absolute truth. And it's absolute truth because it was spoken by God who cannot lie, and he had men write it down. Well, what if the Bible's changed today from what it used to be? Let me tell you something. The Bible is divinely inspired in its original languages. There's no divinely inspired translation. That's why, personally in my study, I will compare different translations from one to the other. Now, the concern is here that there are different Greek manuscripts. There are two primary categories of Greek manuscripts, the ancient ones and the, the modern version. And uh, many of the newer Bibles are translated from the more modern version. And uh, the King James and other similar versions of the Bible were translated from that older uh, set of manuscripts. Uh, theologians call that original set of manuscripts, the King James and others, similar uh, Bible versions were translated from. They call that the Texas, T-E-X-T-U-X, Textus Receptus, or the received text in Latin. Uh, that's, that's what the words are. Textus Receptus is Latin. So, uh, those translations uh, were translated, King James, New King James, uh, Young's uh, uh, literal translation, and others along that line. They were translated from that same family of Greek texts. 
Then there's a new, the new versions, and I'm not going to begin to name those. They have several different names, but they're all essentially the same. And the more modern translations are translated from that, and there are differences. Now, in many cases, the differences may not seem to be of uh, eternal importance, but uh, and I so I will use those other translations, being very careful that I don't. Uh, don't allow those places where the texts are different to uh, to affect my understanding of the word. That's why everything has got to come back to those original translations for me, which would be uh, the King James and the New King James and uh, the uh, uh, Young's Little Translation and uh, several others uh, are, are are based on that. You can go on the internet and Google what translations are translated from the uh, King James Greek text, or you could call it the uh, King James or, or the Texas Receptus. And there's all websites that have all that on there. Uh, so that's really important. But you have to understand again that the Bible is divinely inspired in its original languages. There are no divinely inspired translations. Okay. So with that being the case, all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, useful is the Greek word, useful, beneficial. Uh, there's gain to be, uh, there's gain in instruction and understanding wisdom from every verse in the Bible. Uh, even all those genealogies that you think are irrelevant, they're very relevant because God uses those to to verify he fulfilled his word. For instance, uh, the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew is different than the genealogy of Jesus in Luke. And people look at those and go, oh, there's a contradiction in the Bible. No, if you read it very carefully, the genealogy in Matthew is the genealogy of Joseph. The genealogy in Luke is the genealogy of Mary. So Jesus's genealogy by blood is through Mary. Jesus's genealogy by who his wife, his mother's husband was at Mary at birth uh, is Matthew. Jesus was legally Matthew. Oh, excuse me. Uh, Joseph was Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, the baby Jesus's legal father at his birth. Legal father. Because he was married to Mary when Jesus was born. And in every country on earth, that makes that person the legal father, even if they're not the biological father, they're the legal father. So Jesus inherited the throne of, of David through his genealogy of his father, Joseph. And he considered Joseph his father, even though he knew at some point in his life that he was begotten by the Holy Ghost, who is his father, uh, because whoever begets you is your father. Even though he knew that the Spirit of God was his father, at some point he always understood that Joseph also was his father, legally and I'm sure emotionally and otherwise, he was the eldest son, and he was jo he was Joseph. They called him Joseph's son. He was referred to as Joseph's son. 
So here's, here's truth. This is truth. It appears to be a contradiction, but it's truth. And so rather than saying, oh, there's a contradiction in the Bible, no. If there appears to be a contradiction, it's because I don't, I don't see it yet. I don't, God hadn't opened my mind and understanding to it yet. Because when he does, I will see how they harmonize. Because all scripture is God breathed out and is profitable for doctrine. The word doctrine here in the Greek means instruction. Both the function of instruction and the information being, uh, taught. This is according to Strong's Greek dictionary. The word instruction there can apply both to the act of teaching and the content of what's taught. This comes from the uh, Greek root word, which means an instructor, an instructor. Uh, and that comes from the Greek root word to teach. Thayer says the word there means teaching or instruction, both the act of teaching and also that which is taught or doctrine. So doctrine is what's taught. Now, of course, we have been through a stage, actually, it's probably not just the last hundred years or in my lifetime, uh, where, oh, uh, you know, we, doctrine divides, so we're going to ignore doctrine and just love everybody. Well, doctrine is simply teaching the word, and Jesus is the word, is the Logos made flesh. And so if I'm not going to teach about Jesus, uh, then how can I be saved? How can we be in the same body if I'm not going to teach about Jesus? And yes, yes, even those in the truth are all at different places of understanding of that truth because he teaches us truth, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And the verses that I taught a few uh, lessons ago from uh, Hebrews chapter tw- uh, 5, verse 12, when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need for one to teach you again, which be the first principle of the oracles of Christ, because you become so- someone that needs milk and not strong meat, because you're not skillful in the word. So here, here's people, there, there are people saved who are babes in Christ. There are people that are saved who are, they're not babes in Christ, but they're still just eating milk. And then there are those who are eating more solid food. And then those who are skillful in the word who can eat strong meat. Now, at this point in time, we're all saved. But we're not all at the same place of understanding of the word of God. That's why this whole video series is being taught. You and I need to hunger for Truth, 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 truth. We want truth, more truth, more truth, more truth. I want to be guided into all truth. Can you truly be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and say you've got enough? You've got enough truth. You know, you, I know the word good enough. What's good enough? What's good enough? When it comes to truth, what's good enough? When it comes to knowing the word, what's good enough? The last words of the Apostle Peter, as I've quoted several times, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What's good enough for you? Well, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let me tell you something. The knowledge of what righteousness is and how to have it, it comes through the word. So I can't hunger and thirst after righteousness without hungering and thirsting to know the word. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that Proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Well, guess what? I ate this morning. I ate just a little while ago. I'm going to go home and eat again a little while here. 
may even get a snack before I go to bed. Quiet, because I'll be hungry each one of those times. I was designed to be periodically hungry several times throughout the day. That's the way I was created to be. So were you. And man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, I can't eat 24-7. That's not positive. And God never intended for me to eat 24-7. But I'm supposed to be hungry regularly. Regularly throughout the day. There should be some hungry hunger in me. And if I can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, how can I want to do that? And when God himself has spoken and had it written down, how can I want to know God if I don't want to know what he had to say? And everything he put in that book from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21 has a purpose in helping me to grow in my relationship with him and my knowledge of him, to grow and mature in my salvation, to grow and mature uh, that I might be more what he should be. In fact, the next verse after all scripture is given by inspiration of God, it's possible for a doctrine fruit, for reproof, for correction and righteousness, says that the man of God may be perfect, complete, entire, not lacking anything, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So what is it that equips me? What is it that furnishes me so that I can do anything God would require me to do? The Word does that. Now, I need to be sensitive to the Spirit, and I need to walk in the Spirit, and I need to fellowship with the Spirit of God, and I need to communicate with the Spirit of God and let Him communicate with me. And that's called prayer. It doesn't matter whether I'm on my knees or what, wherever I am. I can pray anytime. I can communicate with God anytime. He can communicate with me anytime. But there's no substitute, and that that the voice of God speaking to me is the Greek word rhema. It's the results of the utterance of the living voice. And I want to be sensitive to the rhema. Jesus said, uh, it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are alive. The words there, the Greek word there is rhema, not logos. So I need, I need that. I need to be sensitive. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by not the logos, but the rhema of God, the word of God. I need that. I need that relationship with his spirit. But I also must have a relationship with the Logos. Logos is the forever settled word. It was given by the inspiration of God. It's the forever settled word. And it's the, 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 the criteria, the standard by which every rhema is judged. Because the adversary wants to imitate rhema to me. And if I don't have a knowledge of the logos buried in here to judge Rhema by. I, I can be deceived easily. And the adversary does it every day with people because they don't have a, a, a knowledge of the word of God. They don't know it. They don't have a knowledge of the word of God. So the word of God is dictated by God. I can count on it. Now, this is flesh. And there is a lot of stuff in the Bible that my flesh doesn't like. And there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that's contrary to my human will. But if I desire him, if I want to be saved, if I want to know him, if I want to walk with him, if I want to be a partner with him in what he's doing, if I want to be a conduit for him to use for his kingdom, for his word, for his namesake, for his will in these last days, then I have to let the word of God work on me. I have to receive it 
in the authority in which it is. And all the way back to the very first lesson after the introductory lesson is that the word of God is the final authority in our lives and everything. Why? Because it's God dictated. It's not the words of men. It's not, it, it, it's not, it didn't come from man. It came from God. And you and I need to let the word of God speak to us and we need to take it into our lives. We need to acknowledge that. And then we need to believe that truth cannot contradict truth. And in our study, we have to understand that we're studying the words of God. It's what God thinks, not what man thinks. And if there's a choice between believing and acting on and following what man thinks versus what God thinks, is there a choice? Oh, there is a choice, technically. But there's no legitimate choice. Because the consequences for those two are totally different. So that's why I need to know the word of God so I can follow the word of God. God bless you. In Jesus' name, I pray that this lesson has been a, uh, a has been eye-opening for you and has helped you move farther along in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and your desire to study and know his word. In Jesus' name.